I'm Kate Daniels. Without question, one of the most important and easily the most challenging job there is, is parenting. Much of it is learned on the job and requires a lot of creativity and adjustment. Yet, we are fortunate that there are professionals who have studied and learned and researched to provide us with more education. So one of these great professionals is Dr. Eileen Kennedy-Moore, a psychologist and mom of four kids. She's a professor for the great courses, serves on the advisory board for Parents Magazine, and blogs for Psychology Today, PBS Parents, and U.S. News and World Report. Today, she joins us to share some insights from her newest book, Kid Confidence. Dr. Eileen Kennedy-Moore, good morning. It is so good. Wonderful to have you join us this morning. Thank you, Kate. I appreciate you having me on the show. I am greatly appreciative of you, your work, and the fact that you are with us this morning. Such an important, critical topic to talk about our kids, uh, family dynamics, and how to have these youngsters really get a, a great foundation so they can proceed confidently into the world. That's right. That's right. So, Kate, the reason I wrote my new book, um, Kid Confidence, is because I kept seeing, I'll be honest, a lot of nonsense about self-esteem and the idea that we have to boost our, our kids' self-esteem and shower them with praise. And that is completely contradicted by the research. We do not have to boost our, our kids' self-esteem. That's the wrong approach. Higher self-esteem is not related to better performance in school. It is not related to avoiding drugs and alcohol and other bad things. Um, it is not related to better relationships. So we're heading completely in the wrong direction. And research tells us that when we see a kid who's struggling with self-esteem, our adult impulse is to praise them up and down. But unfortunately, that tends to backfire. And what the kids hear when we say, you're amazing, is you need to be amazing. And that just puts terrible pressure on the kids. They are less likely to do um, hard things because they don't want to look bad. And we know we certainly hear a lot of that about how great you are and look at how you're excelling and, and that sort of thing. And, and you're saying that puts too much pressure. So how do we approach this in a much saner way? <laughs> right. Well, that, that's exactly the question that we want to ask. So obviously this doesn't mean criticize and tear your kids down. You know, that's not good either. And in my practice as a clinical psychologist, some of the saddest clients I've had are adults who say nothing I did was ever good enough for my parents. So that's obviously the opposite extreme, and that's not good either. But I'll, let me tell you about a client I had once. It was a middle school girl, and I'd, I'd seen her for, for quite a while, but she finally worked up the courage to tell me her deepest fear. And I'm telling you, she was practically vibrating as she said this. And she said, what if I grow up to be ordinary? Now, those of us who are over 30 are like, okay, <laughs> because we are all ordinary except to the people who love us. But this girl was very capable academically, and she had gotten a lot of kudos for, wow, you're so smart, you did that so well. And she had internalized that and twisted it around to, you have to be amazing or you are worthless. 
And that is absolutely not what we want to do. So in Kid Confidence, what I talk about is, I actually wanted to call the book a sideways approach to self-esteem, but the publisher wouldn't let me. Um, (laughs) Because really, what we're talking about is not boosting kids' self-esteem. Real self-esteem is not about loving ourselves. Think about when you're with a close friend. You're not sitting there thinking, does she like me or is she impressed by me? You're not even thinking about yourself because you're just immersed in the conversation or whatever it is you're doing together. That's what we're aiming for. Real self-esteem is not about loving ourselves. It's about being able to let go of the question, am I good enough, by connecting with something bigger than ourselves. That just seemed so simple, and yet we seem to be kind of really thwarting that in so many ways because we see a lot of issues, sadly, a lot of issues with our young kids, uh, with teenagers around us. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's definitely there with the teenagers and the, um, the social media that puts out the idea of creating and cultivating and promoting a particular image to impress everybody. But it also, and that leads to a lot of comparisons with other people. Um, and also everybody looks perfect on Instagram, but that's not real. So what I often tell my teen clients is you can't compare your inside to somebody else's outside. But it's not just the teenagers. We see it with younger kids with high-stakes testing, intensely competitive sports starting at very young ages, and our cultural tendency to tell kids, you're great, you're amazing. And all of that gives kids the sense that they must be amazing or they're worthless. And the answer isn't to try to be more amazing. We all know people who are incredibly accomplished but hate themselves. Um, So what we need to do instead is question the whole premise um, that we have to love ourselves or prove our worth or be impressive. And to, to, because honestly, who stands in front of a mirror and says, gosh, I love myself, and would you want to be friends with them if they did, right? (laughs) So either thinking I'm great or I'm terrible is a trap because it focuses us inwards on judging ourselves rather than outward on what we can contribute. So how do we get kids to connect with something bigger than themselves. For a lot of, there are a lot of ways. Um, some of it is strong connections within the family. For a lot of kids, it really begins with friendship because caring about a friend or just wanting to continue playing with that friend helps kids to <laughs> dial down <laughs> on, on the self-focus and this is what I want and to expand beyond themselves. It's also important connecting with community and even with values or um, topics that we want to learn about, all of those expand our, ourselves beyond just judging um, and, and that anxious preoccupation with how am I doing, do they like me, am I performing well, am I being prof- impressive. And of course, uh, it starts in the home with the parenting, uh, and ideally the, the parents are are feeling that kind of confidence uh, and not trying to uh, live through their child and, and create them to be who they didn't necessarily accomplish themselves being. That's right, because that puts a terrible pressure on kids, because it basically says to them, you need to perform to prove that I'm a good parent. And, and I think most parents know that that's not right, and, and it's just too much of a burden for kids. 
So we want to be sure that we're spending non-demanding, enjoyable time together. That connection, that's the basis of our authority with our kids. <laughs> um, so sometimes I'll have parents who are like, oh, the kid doesn't listen, and, and their, their answer is to yell at the kid more or punish them harder. But really what we need is that connection. That's, that's what helps kids to do, to do the right thing. And, you know, as parents... We have to criticize our kids because somebody's got to teach them to, you know, not use their sleeve to to wipe their face, right? Uh, But we can do it gently. I have something that I call a a soft criticism, which I think is like the best thing I've ever invented because it works. (laughs) And it works with kids, it works with spouses, it works with coworkers. So the idea here is that the normal response to criticism is to defend, This is human nature. It's not my fault. She did it worse. You do it too. Stuff like that. So the soft criticism is designed to get around that normal defensiveness. Step one is we give an excuse. So you and the excuse says that you know your kid is a good person with good intentions, even when she messes up. So the excuse might be something like. you probably didn't realize, I know you didn't mean to, I get that you have a lot going on right now. Then step two is the part we really want, which is the, the, where we talk about what they did. And here what we want to do is focus on the behavior and the impact on other people. So our formula is when you, bad behavior, bad outcome. So it might be something like, I know you were really stressed about the, the big test that you have tomorrow and your brother was being really annoying and making a lot of noise, but when you throw a shoe at him, you could really hurt him. <laughs> so we got the excuse, but we were direct about the behavior. And then the most important part is step three, which is move forward. We can't undo what has already been done. We definitely don't want to convince our kids of their badness. So um, we can ask a good question like, what can you do to help him feel better? Or what can we do to prevent this? Or what could you do instead? Or sometimes you just plain ask them, from now on, could you please? But the the excuse at the beginning puts you on the same side as the kid. They're talking about the behavior and the impact, lets them see clearly, and the moving forward is what it's all about. Oh, excellent. I think we learn from some concrete examples, and this we should be able to use really as a formula over any kind of situation that comes along. Right, yes. Yes. Let's mention your website, because I think there this is a great and important resource for us. Sure. Um, you can find more about Kid Confidence at kidconfidencebook.com. And um, if you click on links, you'll see my other books. I have one for kids called Growing Friendships, which is helping children to learn how to make friends, which is such a crucial skill for kids. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's really such a wealth of information. We'll do well to both have the book, totally great resource, and to look at the websites because there we uh, really broaden our scope of what can help us in, in so many different situations. So in this book, we find, Dr. Kennedy Moore, you mentioned how with children, uh, they actually begin to, around age eight, lose that sense of this kind of self-esteem they have just that's naturally part of them. And I imagine it's, you know, touching on social media, touching on uh, some of their 
peer relationships at school has an impact on that. That's true. And it's also that around seven or eight is when kids be able, uh, become able to compare themselves to other people in a realistic way. So like a five-year-old, five-year-olds tend to have very high self-esteem because they are completely unrealistic about um, what they can do. Like, watch me do my big jumps. <laughs> They're so cute <laughs> at, at that age. But then their cognitive development allows them to compare themselves realistically to other kids, and then they realize that they're not the best at every single thing. And that causes a big drop in self-esteem. We also see another big drop around age 14 um, with all the changes that come with adolescence. So those are the kind of two rough spots. Um, Optimal self-esteem is around age 60. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, and and I think at that point, people are not, um, their health is usually still good. And they've let go of a lot of the comparison stuff, um, so, so that there's kind of an easier way of being, I think, in the world. So the idea, though, is to help broaden kids' perspective so they can let go of that anxious self-focus and self-judgment. Um, some psychologists say that kids can't do that, that they're not mature enough, and I absolutely disagree with that because there are moments of what's called a quiet ego that are accessible to everybody. For instance, I remember when my son was a little guy, um, maybe four years old, I put him down in a sandbox for the first time, and I swear that kid did not look up for 45 minutes because he was just pouring the sand back and forth and digging and smoothing. He was completely absorbed in what he's doing. In research, we call that flow. It's a flow state. We've all had that, you know, when when you're just so immersed in the process of what you're doing that you lose track of time and you are utterly self unself-conscious. And that is just a delicious and very meaningful state as, as people get older. The more flow we have in our life, the happier we are. So that's one example of a quiet ego state. Genuine compassion for someone else, that's also Um, a quiet ego state, because we're not thinking, hey, do I look good here? We're thinking about, I want to help this person. I'm really moved by whatever their experience is. Um, Just standing outside under the night sky and feeling awe, that is a delicious quiet ego state. And and suddenly we feel so tiny in this immense, um, immense sky. And, And that's another one that absolutely kids can experience. The more a quiet ego state is, is is aspirational. You know, most of us who aren't, I don't know, Buddhist monks or something like that, um, can't maintain it all the time. It's so easy to be pulled back into judging ourselves and thinking about how do I look, how am I coming across. But the more experiences we have of stepping out of that noisy ego towards a quiet ego, the better we get at finding it. Ah. Oh. As using your terminology, that sounds so delicious. Doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does. So I, I'll tell you another story. I had um, I take this art class that I, I just love, 
And there was uh, one time there was a teenager there, and she kept saying, "Oh, I'm bad at this," or "Oh, I can't do this." And I'll be honest, at one point she kind of got on my nerves. <laughs> so I turned around and said to her, "Stop saying that, because it doesn't matter where you are in this particular dot of time. If you keep going, you know, practicing, getting feedback, trying again, you're gonna get better." And that's a really important orientation to have with learning, that it's a quiet ego thing because I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about the topic or the skill that I want to learn, and I'm focusing outwards rather than getting tangled up in judging myself. So ideal in the sense of, yes, being in the moment and and not self-judging and self-criticizing, which we, we seem to do too readily. It's very easy to slide into that, but we can work <laughs> on, on not doing it. And for kids, the relationships are key, whether it's with a parent or a sibling or a friend or a community. Those are the stepping stones to expanding their, uh, the, the beyond just the self-focus. And as you said earlier, Dr. Kennedy Moore, having uh, them be involved, which is true for us too, having our children involved in something that's bigger than themselves, nurturing that, um, how do you work with families and with children, with youth to do that? So with, with families, I talk about what does your family care deeply about? And for some families, it might be a church community and being part of that. For some families, it might be music. Um, and so, so this is not something that I have to figure out the answer for. It's, it's for other people. It's something that each of us has to um, really ask and pursue. So uh, with teenagers in, in particular, they, they're so passionate and we really want to find that emotional spark that they have and that, that passion and do everything we can to support it, um, to allow them to, to be excited about a topic, excited about changing the world. Um, with the little kids, it's, it can be more about um, embracing learning, just embracing the process of learning. And being comfortable with the idea that wherever I am right now doesn't matter. If I keep going, I will become better. It's often useful to, um, I tell kids, that if you compare yourself to other people, that is a path for misery because there are always 10 people out there who are better, smarter, faster, whatever. But if you compare yourself to your past self, that's where you can see the progress, and that can be very inspiring and motivating. With little kids, parents can show them pictures. Even a year ago, they, you know, there's a huge change in what they can do, how much more capable they've become. Uh, as parents, we can also be our children's biased biographer. So think about the stories where your child struggled initially and then triumphed. So it might be something like, I remember when you were first learning to ride your bike, and you fell and you fell and you fell, and now look at you zipping around the neighborhood. Or I remember when you first started swimming lessons and you were afraid to put your face in the water, and now look at you, you're a fish. 
So we're talking about progress, not perfection. We're talking about growth rather than being impressive. That's, again, such great concrete examples that we can use with our kids. And it makes it uh, easier for us, I think, to, you know, find these examples and move forward. Right. So this is, I remember, and now you can, that's, that's a, a great story. You're better than everybody else. That's not such a good story because what are they going to do when they encounter somebody else who is better at it than they am, or they are, or, or when they struggle to learn something, or when they even mess up completely? There's no room for, there, for that if I have to be perfect or I'm worthless, if that's the message. Oh, yes. And... I think, sadly, we see that happening around us. Perhaps one of the more high-profile cases, without really getting into it, is just seeing what happened with the college scandal. And obviously, parents weren't feeling confident about their kids, or they oh, were... Right? that was so heartbreaking. Yes. Because what is the message those parents are telling their kids is, I don't trust you to create a life that is meaningful and satisfying to you on your own. I mean, what... Our best gift for kids is is to have that trust in them. So that was a very wounding message. Not to mention, you know, immoral and illegal. Yes. But it, it just broke my heart. Yes, uh, and and so many hearts were broken, and I was feeling for those young people. So you know, that's an uh, that's the example of what not to do and to trust find what it is they may not really want to be going off to college and excelling in some kind of sport but maybe that's their talent we, we need to really be in tune to that especially at that age because their job is to to do exactly that to begin creating a life that is meaningful and satisfying to them now, there, there are practicalities. Um, they have to be self-supporting at some point, preferably in a legal manner. <laughs> but there are many paths and many chances and many choices, and that's where our trust as a parent comes in. Yes. Um, and I think it's, it's important to have some sympathy for the parents also because I think parents today are very anxious we see the world dividing more and more into the haves and the have-nots. So, of course, we want our kids to be okay. And for a parent, it's very easy to like focus on the outward achievements. It's like, okay, all right, my kid's doing okay. They're, they're going to be all right. Um, but I, I recommend focusing on the skills, those social-emotional skills. Does your child know how to build strong relationships? Does your child know how to persevere when they're frustrated or discouraged? Um, that, that's a tricky one because a lot, of, um, a lot of times kids who are struggling get re- lectures about, you should try harder. And that never works <laughs> because what kids hear is, you need to suffer. You should really suffer more. And, and the, the relationship between effort and success is something that has to be learned. Think about that. Why would a kid believe that trying harder is going to allow them to master something unless they've had many, 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 many experiences of that? So we want to set um, 
focus on smaller accomplishments, um, focus on plans rather than goals. Uh, for a child who is feeling very discouraged to say a goal is that takes too much courage that takes too much of a leap of faith but if we say okay let's try how about if we spend 15 minutes practicing on this or why don't we try a tutor maybe i don't know what the what the situation is or what do you think you could manage what 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 do you think would be you know, challenging but not too hard, and let's let's see some payoff from that. Also, here's another thing that's really really important: our expectations for our children to be reasonable have to be what the kid is doing pretty much most of the time now, or just a bit beyond it. I had a, a very difficult case once where the kid, um, in the grade before, he was flunking everything, and then the next year. He really pulled it together. He was working hard. He was going for after-school help, and he got B's. And the dad said, why aren't they A's? And I'm like, oh, why did you do that? Because how wounding for this kid. And you just said to him, your effort's not good enough. Um, So... I don't know. That was a really upsetting case. Of course. As you say, when they come from be, you know, a lower grade, oh, look how much you've accomplished. That's <laughs> right. great. Yes. Yes. You're really, you know, you've, you were there before and now you're here. <laughs> Yay. Yes, yes. <laughs> so. absolutely. So that's where the, the parent is also needing further education and there's something that's uh, lacking within themselves or they're repeating what they heard as a child. Yeah, that 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 could be. Um, our old scripts can sometimes come up again when we have kids, um, and and so it's worth thinking about what we've heard, what we what we liked from how our our parents raised us, what we might want to do differently, and to be really mindful and thoughtful about how we interact with our kids. Absolutely. And as it says in the title of the book, Kid Confidence, help your child make friends, build resilience, gorgeous word, and develop real self-esteem. Right. And the real self-esteem, again, is not about thinking, I'm so great. Yes. It's about being able to let go of that question, am I good enough, and move toward a quiet ego by connecting with something bigger than ourselves. Yes. And that's where you, you underscore throughout the stories in the book and, and the examples that, that then they really do feel uh, competent in what they're doing. And, and that's where that, that real confidence begins to develop. Right. It's the freedom of not being sucked into that vortex of self-judgment and self-criticism. That's what we're talking about. And there are three ingredients that allow kids to develop this real self-esteem, this letting go of self-judgment and self-focus. And those are connection, as I mentioned, which, which are the relationships where kids feel known and accepted and valued. Um, and then the second, and parents can do a lot about not only with their own relationship, but also for supporting their relationships with peers and with community. Then the second one is competence, which means both gaining skills and embracing the learning process. I'm here now. If I keep going, I can be farther along. (laughs) Not necessarily better than everybody else, but farther along than I am today. And the third one is choice, 
which is really about helping kids to figure out what matters to them. What are their deepest values? What do they care about? And, of course, the older the kids get, the, the, um, the better they are at articulating that and thinking about that. But even the little ones know that in our family we value kindness. In our family we take care of our neighbors. Um, in our family we care deeply about the environment and we're going to clean up the stream or whatever it is together. So don't wait until they're teenagers <laughs> to start talking about values. Exactly. Oh, this has just been so wonderful. And I, well, I'm going to use your word again, delicious. Just so much that is so exciting and and really impactful that can make uh, all of our lives just so much more meaningful on, on all levels. So I am just so grateful that you've spent this time with us this morning, Dr. Eileen Kennedy Moore. Uh, such a wealth of inspiration. Let's direct people to getting your book on your website or any favorite bookstore, right? That's right. Yeah, kidconfidencebook.com is you can go to is a page, goes to a page on my website about kid confidence or it's available at any bookstore. Excellent. Well, again, thank you for your work and for your great articulation of of all of this. I feel that we've planted great seeds or given great encouragement this morning. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome.